My name is Jason Weiser, and you're listening to Get On Track, Stay On Track. And we're helping your small business one expert at a time. And I am so thrilled to have today's experts, plural, a surprise guest with Peg Fitzpatrick, but we've got Guy Kawasaki on the call today, both of them representing Canva. And uh, for those of you that don't know Guy Kawasaki, you probably just turned on the internet for the very first time. Um, but uh, let's, you know, let's catch up anyway. So, you know, for those, a little intro, how about that? Guy's the chief evangelist on Canva, He's, uh, which is an online graphic design tool. And uh, he was formerly the chief evangelist over at uh, Apple. He was the advisor on the Motorola business unit of Google. He's a founding member of Garage Technology Ventures, author of 12 books, including Art of Start, Ape, uh, what the plus enchantment you got to look in the sidebar descriptions there's a link over there that'll take you to all of his book listings guy holds a ba from stanford university an mba from ucla and an honorary doctorate from babson college he's a family man father of four and something you might not know about guy is that uh, he loves photography he loves photography and he loves ice hockey i thought that was really interesting and uh, so, but not just watching ice hockey, he likes to play the sport. Check that out. So Guy Kawasaki, uh, welcome. Thank, you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> I tell you, I'm really honored. And uh, and Peg, wow, how cool that you were able to make it. You were gonna miss a flight, or you fortunately missed a flight today just so that you could come and be with Entrack Tips today. You rock, girl. <laughs> yeah, I missed it on purpose. It, it, was actually, it was actually US Air. Thank you, US Air, for allowing me to be here today. Well, U.S. Air is our sponsor for today's show on OnTrack. They're my favorite today. <laughs> All right. And for those of you that don't know Peg Fitzpatrick, she's also working over at Canva. She is the uh, social strategist, and the um, and uh, she's a co-author of an upcoming book called The Art of Social Media. She's going to be doing that with Guy. I'm really excited for you, Peg. That's awesome. And in your bio, I saw this really great quote from Peg. People that know Peg, we had her on the show before, and she was talking about how to manage multiple social media networks. Head on over to OnTrackTips.com. Look for Peg's interview. Amazing content over there. But uh, her quote says, what sets me apart? I'm an innovative idea girl that follows through, and I get the job done. Social media, to me, it's a career. It's not just a hobby. And I think that's exactly how you're able to juggle so many networks, so many clients, and high-profile clients. Guy, Canva, you were on Motorola. So, uh, Peg, yeah, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So, a, a little bit more housekeeping, and we're going to get into this interview, folks. Thanks, for first of all, for being patient with a little bit of tech uh, as we got started. And uh, for those of you that know OnTrack Tips, your regular followers, you know how much we love Twitter. So head on over. There's tweet chat happening right now. Use the hashtag PoundOnTrackTips. And today's Twitter question is, have you heard of Canva? So head on over and tweet, yes, I've heard of Canva, pound on track tips, or I'm just now hearing about Canva with Guy Kawasaki, pound on track tips. That's today's tweet chat question. Plus, there's a lot going on over there. There's a pre-scripted tweet in the stream. Also in the stream, start asking your questions, guys. Keep them short and keep them simple. We're going to bring them up at the end of the show. We want to give you an opportunity to talk to Guy and to Peg. Um, our sponsor for this week, I want to thank today's sponsor, Repurpose.pro. Asking the question, do you struggle with creating enough content for your small business? Do you find there's not enough time? 
to spend blogging and posting? Have you considered creating one piece of content, repurposing it over and over for maximum reach and less work? Repurpose Pro, it's a step-by-step -step process that will help you and your team take one piece of content, like this interview, for example, and easily turn it into a blog post, a podcast, a video, a slide share, and so much more. Repurpose.pro, your solution for content creation. Lastly, head on over to OnTrackTips.com, look for the big red button, and push it. And you and I are going to get to know each other, and we're going to look for an expert, experts like Guy Kawasaki, Peg Fitzpatrick, Chris Brogan, Andrea Vall, and so many more to help you in your small business. That's enough with the housekeeping. Let's dive in. What do you say? Now, I'm exhausted already. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Thank you, Jason. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, somebody's got to pay the bills, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, all right, evangelist, we're here talking about brand evangelist. Guy, tell us, what is a brand evangelist? A brand evangelist is someone who spreads the good news about a product or a service. Uh, the word evangelism is a Greek word meaning, you know, bringing the good news. So in my previous life, I brought the good news of Macintosh, and now I'm bringing the good news of Canva. In the case of Apple, we were trying to democratize computers. And now with Canva, we're trying to democratize design. Yeah, excellent. So what's the difference between a uh, brand evangelist, say a spokesman, you know, like Flo from Geico uh, <laughs> or whatever, you know, or a salesperson or a raving fan? What's, what's some of the distinctions of those four? Well, first of all, I don't consider myself a lizard, so I can't sell insurance. <laughs> um, I think the major difference that people need to understand is evangelist versus salesperson. So I think to a large degree a salesperson has his or her own best interests at heart. You know, like making commission, making quota, making sales. Whereas an evangelist has the other person's best interests at heart. So I can truly tell you that when I tell people to use a Macintosh, it's not because uh, at the time I was an Apple employee, it's because I truly did believe that a Macintosh could make their life better. And right now when I tell people to use Canva, it's because I think they can now create amazing graphics in a very, very easy way. Uh, you know, I, I like to tell people that in the time it takes to boot Photoshop, you can probably make a graphic in Canva. <laughs> and so I'm, I am trying to evangelize Canva because I think it is a great way to make people more productive and creative. So that's the difference. Salespeople are about themselves. Evangelists are about the other people. Yeah, it makes good sense. Peg, tell us what's what's the difference in your roles at Canva between a uh, brand evangelist, what guy's doing, and a social strategist. What's kind of the difference between? Uh -huh. Well, I have everyday tasks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was just a joke, sort of. Um, I I'm doing. Well, what makes it funny is that it is true. <laughs> it's funny and it's true. Um, so what I do with social strategy is I'm actually working on the social media for Canva. I'm creating the posts that go out. I'm working on the blog. I'm working with writers. Um, and I'm and I'm helping to get the word out, but in a different way than Guy is. So guys, I, I like to tease Guy and tell him he's like the he's the pretty face, yeah. <laughs> and then I, I and I do all the like you know behind the scenes stuff a lot of times, even though I'm very forward facing in all the stuff that I do with Guy, which is quite unusual. But for Canva, I'm doing social strategy. I'm working with the marketing team, the design team. We have an amazing. It's like 
the the most A team you could possibly have working on Canva. So it's like great just to work with these people. Um, and I'm just designing marketing and social media strategy for them. Guy, you were talking uh, in many of your past interviews, you talk about this uh, aha moment that you had with Macintosh. Clouds are opening and it was this religious experience. <laughs> uh, either share a little bit about that story, but what we really want to hear is, did you have that same kind of a experience with Canva? Yes, yeah, so to go back into history, in 1983, uh, a classmate of mine from Stanford took me in the back of a building on the Apple campus and showed me Macintosh. And at the time, I was an Apple II user, so I was you know, familiar with Apple IIs, 24 by 80, column-oriented, text-oriented. You know, if you wanted to make a graphic, you use Xs and Os. Uh, and he showed me Macintosh, he showed me Mac Paint, which was freaking eye-opening, you know, like spray can, pencil, drag out a square, all that kind of stuff. He showed me Mac Write, multiple fonts, graphics integrated, all this stuff, and it was miraculous. And uh, so that was an eye-opening moment for me. It was a religious moment. Uh, now fast forward till about three months ago, and Peggy Fitzpatrick starts telling me about this great product called Canva and how she's building all these great graphics, and she doesn't want to tell anybody else about it <laughs> because it's our competitive edge. And I started using it. And it really, it enabled even me to make graphics. And I don't consider myself an artist or a designer, but it's so easy and so simple. And uh, it was also kind of a religious moment. Uh, it, it's very, very useful product. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's a bummer that uh, Melanie Perkins, she's the CEO over at Canva. It's too bad that she can't make it on here. I would have loved to interview her and hear her story. It sounds really fascinating. But... Uh, I mean, she's obviously a brilliant businesswoman that she grabbed on a hold of uh, both you and Peg. And uh, it, it takes me back to one of the one of the phrases that you coined uh, in your book, uh, Art of the Start. You talk, you say that she embraced the evangelist. And because we're talking about what does it mean to uh, you know what what is a brand evangelist, it leads me to our next question: uh, that uh, what does it mean to embrace the evangelist? And also tell us a little bit about why it's so important to hire infected people. What do you mean by those two terms? Yeah. So an infected person, many organizations when they are recruiting, they look at two primary things, work experience and educational background. And to this, I think we should add a third variable called infection, which is you can have a really smart person, went to the right schools, has the right work experience, but doesn't get it and doesn't love it. So it's very hard to make an evangelist transfer religions. So could I evangelize Windows? I don't think so uh, because fundamentally I don't love it. And so what I'm saying about these hiring practices is that, yes, you know, work experience is relevant, educational experience is relevant, but if the person doesn't love the product or service, I think you should not hire that person. And I would also go even further. I would say if you found a person who did not have the right work experience, did not have the right educational background, but truly got it and truly loved your product and service or service, I would hire that person because that describes me. When I worked for Apple, I had a, a degree in psychology, undergraduate. I had a marketing degree, in MBA. No technology in my background at all. Never took a computer science class. On paper, I was not qualified to do the job. But you know, what saved me and what enabled me to succeed is that I truly, truly loved Macintosh. And I learned a very valuable lesson back then, which is 
you know, you need to embrace people who might not be perfect on paper, but get it and love what you do. Yeah, in your um, Canva just released a uh, blog post just a couple days ago, and you made a number of points about what it means to be a brand evangelist. It got me to thinking that you know a lot of the people on this call, we just simply can't can't hire, or we we don't imagine that we could hire you know a guy Kawasaki, right, or or a brand evangelist of that caliber. So it gets me to thinking, what about maybe turning one of my raving fans? You know, is that a brand evangelist? And if that's the case. Um, then you, you it, going back to that uh, newsletter, you made a couple bullet points. One of the bullet points you said was how, how, talking about how to be awesome or how to be really good. You need to make it great. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, how do we make our stuff great so that people will evangelize our content? You had a couple bullet points there. Well, you know, that's why it's easier to write the blog post than to actually be the CEO <laughs> because, you know, saying you should make it great is easy. Making it great is hard. So what I like to do is provide some parameters so people can see and test themselves to determine if they are doing something great. And the, the five words are deep. Great things are deep, lots of features and functionality. They're intelligent. When you look at it, you say, huh, somebody was thinking. When you look at Canva's templates for Pinterest and Twitter, Google+, you say, huh, this person was thinking. They understood why I needed a, a quick design, why I needed to be able to do something easily. Uh, the next word is C, uh, complete, great products, great services. They're not just the download, it's not just the car, it's the totality of the experience, it's the support, it's the APIs, you know, it's everything. When you go to a restaurant, it's not just the food, it's also the waiter, it's the valet, it's the organic farm, you know, it's a lot of stuff. It's not just the food. Uh, the fourth letter is E for empowering. I think great products empower you. They don't fight you, they make you more creative and more productive. And finally, great products are elegant. Someone cared about the user interface. Someone cared about the industrial design. So what I'm saying is if you truly want to create something great, ask yourself, are you creating something that's deep, intelligent, complete, empowering, and elegant? Is it dicey? Wow. So anybody that's just now turning in, you're listening to Get On Track, Stay On Track, and we're helping your small business one expert at a time. Our expert today is Guy Kawasaki and Peg Fitzpatrick. They're here joining us from Canva, canva.com, who's up for a Webby Award uh, right, right now. There's a link in the description. We want to encourage you to head on over to the Webby Awards, follow that link, and vote for your favorite... Uh, for, vote for your favorite web app, Canva, that you see over there uh, listed. There's five of them, and one of them is the best, Canva. So just decide <laughs> for yourself which one it is you want to vote for. Okay. And click um, on Canva. <laughs> I, I said, and click on Canva. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? All right. Um, <laughs> Okay, so and, and another thing, we uh, to our on track tip subscribers, one of the benefits of being on track tip subscribers and going over and pushing the red big red button is we have all kinds of promos and freebies and and great bonuses. So right now is the time that if you went and you actually opened up that newsletter, you've got some instructions in there. Now is the time we're pulling the trigger, green light. First person to follow <laughs> those instructions, you're going to win that seat on the film strip. So let's go. All right, guy, let's come back to the interview. Um, Here's the quote from your Canva press release. Okay, It says, Macintosh changed the world that democratized computers. Google changed the world that democratized information. eBay changed the world that democratized commerce. After two decades of looking, I found Canva. It can change the world by democratizing de design, and that's why I'm now chief evangelist of Canva. Tell us, what do you mean by democratize? What does that mean? Well, democratize means that regardless of your pedigree and your financial worth that you can do something so 
with computers, it used to be that unless you were a university or a government agency or a you know a bank, you didn't have a computer. You had to if you wanted to use a computer, you worked for one of those large organizations, you drove to one of those organizations. But now with Apple and obviously other companies, you know, there are personal computers. You don't have to work for a large organization. So computers, the price point has come down and it's now democratized. With information, you know, it used to be that you had to go to a library or you had to use a librarian or you had to have special access to information. And now with Google, it's basically indexed every piece of information on the planet. And so it's democratized that so more people can get information. Uh, incidentally, not to say that librarians still don't serve a very valuable function because I have a great deal of admiration for librarians because you know, they've, they've gone from helping you access information in books to helping you access information on the internet. So they're all about the process of democratization. And with Canva, it used to be that you had to buy Photoshop or you had to rent the uh, Adobe Creative Suite uh, and you know pay a lot of money. And then even worse, when you boot Photoshop, you're presented with a large blank screen and it can do everything. There's no question. But there are many people who just don't have the time or inclination to learn everything. And so we're trying to make it so that anybody can design graphics. Uh, we're trying to dem democratize the design of graphics. Yeah, so there's a couple communities actually over here on Google+, communities of professional developers and uh, designers that uh, are a bit critical about Canva. So I want to take a minute and so let's set the record straight for them. Mm -hmm. um, there is, uh, you know, looking at the Webby Award nominees, four out of the five nominees are in your category for tools that help the everyman or they're geared towards the bootstrap small business owner. They're there to help right. create assets within a fixed budget. And right. obviously not every company can afford five to ten thousand dollars for a e-commerce website. Not everybody like Peg and I were talking about in the green room. Not everybody can afford you know fifty, a hundred, two hundred dollars for blog uh, headers and banners. Um, so that's where Canva and the other one uh, come into place to kind of take care of the space, right? Yes. The yes. quote that I heard that was pretty critical and uh, I want you to speak to is, uh, semi-professional tools will make you at best semi-professional. Should mm -hmm. the design community be threatened by Canva? Not really. I mean, not the good ones anyway. Uh, if you think about it, there are a lot of elements to a design. So, for example, would you create a logo in Canva. No. You know, that's still an art. You still use Illustrator. You still probably need a designer to create a logo. However, once you have the logo, when you want to deploy it in various things, in cover photos, in albums, in ads, and all that kind of thing, now you can take that art and you can deploy it much easier. Um, I would also say that Canva can when you democratize something like design you create a larger market for all designers and a similar thing let's say let's say go back in time you know 10 or 15 years and for the first time you see all this page maker okay so all this page maker democratized publishing before you had to own a large publishing company it had to have these you know large mechanical printing presses and all that so if you wanted to put out a book or a newsletter or a magazine, you had to be in that publishing business with all that investment, all that expertise. Along comes PageMaker. Now with PageMaker and a laser writer and a Macintosh, you can too be publishing. So at that point, 
publishers could say, yeah, this is going to ruin the business because now anybody can publish a book, anybody can publish a newsletter, anybody can, anybody can publish a magazine. How horrible. Uh, I would take exactly the opposite, that by democratizing things like this, more information can come out, more people can publish books, more people can write books. It's a good thing. Having said that, you know, yes, today New York publishers are threatened because they haven't kept up with the times. So I don't think it threatens anybody who is innovative and keeps up with the times. Um, that's, you know, would the world be better if only kings and popes could publish books? That's the question. And there is no way that the world should remain like that. Democracy is a good thing. Yeah, wow. Uh, I want to, first of all, welcome Sean Manaher, who is the winner of our uh, contest, who is subscribed to On Track Tips. He went over and he pushed the big red button and <laughs> he opened the email. So thank you, Sean, for doing that. We're going to be getting to your uh, question here a little bit later. Uh, Guy, in your book, The Art of the Start, you talk about the importance of mantra. And since yes. we're talking about brand evangelism today, I want to kind of connect the dots between brand evangelism and having a mantra. It probably makes a brand evangelist job a lot easier if you have a good mantra. So first tell us what is Canvas's mantra, and then secondly, connect those dots for brand evangelists. Okay, so Canvas's Canvas <laughs> mantra <laughs> is democratized design. Two words. So it's two words that explain why we exist. Uh, the key to a mantra is that it's brief and when you hear it, you should immediately understand, aha, uh -huh, I understand why that fits with the company. Most organizations create mission statements and these are 50 or 60 words long. It was usually created by uh, a bunch of employees at an offsite, or they paid McKinsey, you know, half a million dollars to come up, come up with it. And a, a typically, a mission statement tries to do way too much. It, it's something like, you know, we we exist in order to provide a reasonable return to our shareholders, while enabling our customers to enjoy a satisfactory relationship with our product, while not impacting the environment and saving whales and dolphins and you know that that just doesn't cut it I mean you know what the hell was that for so a mantra is much better because a mantra keeps your own organization on track you know we all know well you know when you go home and your parents ask you what do you do during the day why do you work there what does your company do you just say democratize design you know, nothing about shareholders, nothing about customers, nothing about the whales and the dolphins and the environment and all that. You know, we democratize design, and I think that's a very important concept that you have to come up with two or three words that explain why you exist. Yeah, excellent. Hey, Sean, I'm going to give you the floor for a minute and let you unmute yourself and go ahead and introduce yourself uh, and uh, ask your question. Sure. Thanks, Jason. Really appreciate uh, being here. Uh, very nice to meet you, Peg and uh, Guy. Uh, been stalking you guys for a while now, so it's nice to uh, be able to be on the show with you guys. So my question actually has to do with uh, self-published authors. Um, does anything change, uh, whether strategy, tactics, or practices, when you have to be your own brand evangelist? Uh, Peg, I'll let you take a whack at it first, and then I'll take a whack at it too. <laughs> yes, it, it does change when you're evangelizing yourself, Sean, because you have to really balance 
um, you don't want to be talking about just yourself all the time. You want the best thing is to find your evangelists and support them in their supporting you. So I could I could equate that back to how Guy and I met. I was actually just a fan girl. I was like a Guy Kawasaki fan girl reading reading uh, Enchantment, and I loved the book, and I tweeted him. Um, and then you know I. It's always great to find the people who are talking about you already. So if I was a self-publishing author, which I hope to be someday, I would find the people who like my content through different social media listening tools, and I would connect with them. And then you can share your own message occasionally, but you really need to be cautious and careful about not over-pushing your own message. So it's a delicate balance. You need to share it sometimes, but not, you know, you need to be sharing a lot of other relevant content more frequently than your own. Except during promotion times, and then maybe you do a little bit more. But that's <laughs> frequent. Those are infrequent times. Does that help? Yeah, that that's tremendous. Thank you. Okay. Guy, do you have anything you want to add to that? You know, I forget what he asked. <laughs> <laughs> It was a memorable question, I think. <laughs> Does evangelism change when you're evangelizing your own self-published book? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, duh. Um, so I have self-published two books now, and I could tell you that self-publishing, like many other democratization processes, is a beautiful thing. So as a self-published author, for one thing, uh, with Kindle eBooks, you make seventy percent of the suggested retail price, as opposed to ten or fifteen percent. So my latest book is called Ape Author Publisher Entrepreneur, which explains how to self-publish a book. That book sells electronically for ten dollars, and Sean Welch and I, the co-authors, we make seven dollars on a ten-dollar sale. I mean that is just unfreaking believable. Um, also, from the time we master a book to the time it's available is roughly. 12 hours. You know, that's roughly 364 and a half days faster than traditional publishing. So it, it is a beautiful thing. Now, that's all the good stuff, the speed, the the higher share of revenue. The bad stuff is now you're responsible for everything, including copy editing and layout and all that. But the biggest thing that you're responsible for is the marketing. And this is where social media and evangelism comes in. Thank God for social media because you know, authors can't afford to buy ads in the New York Times book review, the Washington Post, you know, all this kind of stuff. But using social media, that's how you develop your brand so that when you come out with a book, you have a built-in market. So evangelism and self-publishing just go hand in glove. It, it is a beautiful thing. The key here is to get started on social media as soon as you decide to write a book because it takes about a year to get a meaningful followership on social media and so if you if you wrote the book for a year and then spent another year getting your social media following it'll be two years you need to parallel track um, I wish I could tell you that you could write your book and then market your book but the truth is you have to write and market at the same time uh, life is definitely parallel not serial if you are a entrepreneur and a self-published author thank you that was great really appreciate yeah. it and thanks Jason yeah, absolutely, Sean. Um, and, and we've got two people on here. Uh, Stephanie and Sean, you both pinged in at the exact same time. Sean didn't answer, so Stephanie, I brought you in, but Sean answered quickly. So you get to sit in here and watch, uh, but next time you're going to be quicker on the gun. You know I, you know I love you, Sis. <laughs> but just to be fair to everybody else. Okay, um, 
we're we're really close to out of time now, so I'd hate hate to have to ask you to stick around. You're welcome to stick around if we'll go as long as you want, guy. I know you don't like being dragged off stage, so uh, <laughs> so you're welcome to to stay as long as you want. It's up to you. But uh, if you got to go, you got to go. We'll but, take more questions or whatever. Will you? All right, right on. Yeah. That's excellent. So uh, something else, going back to brand evangelism, I think is really important. You, you talked about back in 95, you returned back to Apple, and uh, your job was because the pundits were saying, oh, Apple's about to die, and so you needed to kind of rejuvenate um, Apple, and you, you said, the, my, my job on this tour of duty was to maintain and rejuvenate the Macintosh cult. There's yes. a question here from Tom uh, Rolfson that I want to bring up. Tom says, how do you tell or what do you do if someone falls out of love? with a product or service. So how do we talk to our, as a brand evangelist, um, what can we do? What, can, what are some things that we can do to rejuvenate uh, a cult? Or if we're just getting started, what can we do to instigate a cult? Well, the most important thing you can do to rejuvenate or to start a cult, and I use cult in a positive way, <laughs> is to create a great product or service. Um, lots of people ask me, you know, what's the key to evangelism? It, is it a certain kind of personality? Is it some Myers-Briggs, you know, whatever? Is it extroversion? Is it charisma? Is it, what is it? And I'll tell you, the most important thing is that you have a great product or service because it is much easier to evangelize a great product or service than it is to evangelize a piece of crap. And believe me, I've tried both. So the key is a great product or service. So this is what I call guy's golden touch. So guy's golden touch is not whatever I touch turns to gold. I wish that was true. Guy's golden touch is whatever is gold guy touches. I'll add on there, Jason. It does help to have a charismatic personality. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Guy, guy wouldn't say that about himself, but I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm, I'm interested too. Uh, you know, back when you were in your Apple days, uh, of course you're an evangelist there, and then you very recently with Peg came over and went on the Moto X tour. Yeah. And uh, it would seem to most of us that those two are kind of competing competitive products. So how do you kind of make that shift in your mind, going from being an Apple evangelist to a Motorola evangelist? Well, it was quite easy actually because uh, I think that I only evangelize stuff I love. I love Macintosh and I love Android. Now people don't understand how you could love Macintosh and not love iOS. But what can I say? I think Android is a better operating system for a phone than iOS. So you know part of being an evangelist is that you're true to yourself. So I happen to love Android. What can I say? So I, I don't see any conflict with me loving Macintosh and loving Android because I think for their platform they are the best operating system Macintosh for computers and Android for smartphones so you know lesser minds cannot handle that but mine can <laughs> okay <laughs> alright uh, I want to bring up a couple questions from the audience Brian Shi um, he said that uh, simple website building hasn't really hurt web design or business more people can create amateur sites but you still need a real designer to be professional uh, interesting uh, comment there. Uh, Jeff C. T asks the question, how is Canva different than from other services like PicMonkey? Peg, or you want to answer that? Peg is the 
pick monkey expert? <laughs> well, PicMonkey and Canva have some similarities. Um, I did use PicMonkey a lot, and I have to tell you, as soon as I used Canva, I stopped using PicMonkey uh, because my designs were so much better. It, the templates helped me create things that I loved, and as soon as I started, when I switched over to Canva, all of my Pinterest pins just started exploding. And if you go back and look at my Pinterest pins, you can see where I, exactly where I started using Canva, and all my designs just were were better. So whether it's you know me, it's easier to use for me. Um, I don't know, but one thing in particular for me was the fonts uh, are not blurry with Canva. So when I would when I make Facebook covers, the text stays really nice. Um, I I create all of Guy's graphics, so my stuff has to look awesome for like eight million people. And so I I use the best tools I could find. And I can't use Photoshop. I have Photoshop, and it's way too complicated. And I, I literally don't have time to spend learning it. I can do a few things in Photoshop, but not very much. I know a lot of people who do like a Photoshop Canva hybrid. Rebecca um, Radice likes to use both together, and she makes really awesome stuff. So you know, it's not a matter of replacing one thing for another thing. You can use more than one tool. This tool just happens to be my favorite, and I love it. So. Yep. Okay. So, um, um, just a few more questions here. Randy Brown says, "Lesser minds cannot handle that." <laughs> for those of you that don't know, <laughs> for those of you that don't know Randy Brown, you know that he is an absolute cut up. In fact, I got to give him a personal shout out over at iHelpers.net. Uh, That's iHelpers.net. I use Randy Brown all the time. I think he's a fa provides a fantastic service. So, Randy, there's your shout out. Now, get back to work and work after. <laughs> all right, um, Mike. Alton says, with the news that Vic Gundotra is leaving Google. What? Think, well, what? Well, wow. Did he just announced that today? Mike just said that. Really? I didn't are see you, that either. Are you and you heard it here first on Michael is breaking the news now. Peggy is now looking for that. Yeah, so am I. All right, so now you guys are running over there. All right, well, while you look for that, the where, rest where of is he going? Do, Mike, uh, Mike, jump in and, and uh, help us understand a little bit more of this. If you can post uh, a link in there, that'd be great because this is kind of breaking news here. Um, but oh, yeah. uh, so, so I don't even know if I can finish the rest of the question. He's saying, with Vic and Dosha leaving, uh, do you think they need a true brand evangelist to fill that void? Um, uh, so let's let's find out what's going on, and then maybe we can uh, maybe we can get back onto that. That's uh, well, he went to news. Coachella, so maybe he's still there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. So, uh, Vic, if you're watching this, why don't you jump on here and uh, yeah. help, us, help us solve this? You know, we're gonna give Mike give a give a shout out to Vic and and have him help us uh, figure this out. Um, we'll, we'll hold on to that. Hold on to that question. Wow. And, and, Google yeah, is leaving the company. Yeah. What wow. What do you think? I mean, wow. We don't know what we think yet. We're just trying to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> Does anybody else have any questions that they want answered while we're researching on? Yeah, why don't you actually, yeah. Stephanie? Why don't you, Stephanie? Why don't you unmute yourself and, and go ahead and ask a question? Since you're not in the uh, chat anymore, it's hardly fair that you can't get your question up on the screen. Okay, thanks, Jason. Um, actually, I am I am a finance person, and I know that Guy's done a lot of stuff with startups, and so I wanted to see what his thoughts were about the power of brand evangelism to create um, interest from financiers. Can it serve to replace traction? Does it actually get you more traction? How can it play into that? 
Well, you know, evangelism can be used for just about anything. The caveat is you have to believe in what you're selling or or evangelizing. So yes, it can be. Um, you know, I I would say that. Uh, the thing you need to think about is that to position, and, and hopefully this is true and accurate, that it's not about the commission, it's not about the return on investment or whatever. It's more about helping people achieve security, peace of mind, um, satisfaction. It's those kinds of things. It's kind of soft goals. It's it's not about just making a buck. But you know, within that parameter, I think you can apply evangelism to almost everything. Now, having said that, I will tell you that you know evangelism is not the only way to succeed in life. There are other ways, but uh, it, has, it has served me quite well. And so I think, yes, you can apply it. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's great. Tom Rolfin's giving a shout out to Vic. Hey, come on over here and jump in and say goodbye. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It doesn't say where he's going anywhere. Maybe, maybe we can hire Vic to make Canva templates for Google+. Plus. <laughs> he, <laughs> he might be available. <laughs> I guess he just had enough of the Google goodness. I guess. Wow. I yeah, I mean, I don't know how you could have enough of Google business, right? I know. I'm not, I'm not in his shoes, but uh, I, I'm sure, you know, I'm just loving it. So that, that picture he has in his post is like fantastic bokeh. I love the bokeh. In He's that. great. He's a great photographer. I don't know if you saw his, when he went on his African safari. Those were great. Oh, was he with Buffer? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he joined Buffer. <laughs> Does anybody right. else have any questions? Yeah, so we're, I'm looking through right now, and it's pretty much just comments. Um, oh, okay. here's here, here's a question coming in from uh, Tony Marino. Uh, let's see. Even with the best graphical tools in play, one must still have an artistic aptitude to pull it all together. Wouldn't you agree, Jason yes. and Guy? I agree. Okay. Peg? I agree. I think I, I think I have some good creativity, so yes, I agree. I don't I think I'm myself, a professional designer, but I think I'm creative. I, I wrestled, you know, here's here's my thought on Canva, and, and uh, I, you know, I wrestled around with it for a little while, and I tried to figure it out, and uh, it's really easy, there's no doubt about it, but I just don't have, I don't understand typography, I don't understand the, 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 the design of it, so for me personally in my business, it just, uh, the time it would take me to try to figure it out and make it good, because I'm such a, such a perfectionist, you know, it uh, it's still it's better it's in, better and easier cheaper really for me to hire somebody to go in there and use Canva maybe or you know mm -hmm. to go ahead and uh, and create something for me uh, uh, for me to try to go through it. I, that's just me though. I'm I'm not really a design person. You you need to man up. Yeah. Yeah, because you know I like for, forget Canva for a second, but I just think that um, when you Put a, a thought in your mind like that, that, you know, I'm not a designer, so I can't do this design. I'm not a writer, so I can't write a book. I'm not a speaker, so I can't make a speech. You know, I'm not an athlete, so I can't play hockey. I think when you start developing a mindset like that, you know, it's like a downward spiral. And so one of the beauties of a tool like PageMaker or, or even Microsoft Word or Canva is that, it enables people who didn't think they were designers or writers or speakers or whatever to hone and uncover skills. 
And so I, I, I want you to, you know, don't get into the mindset that I can't do this. Um, whether it's design, writing, speaking, whatever, you can do this kind of stuff. I mean, the reason why I, I'm a speaker now is not because I'm blessed with any natural ability. It's because I speak a lot, and it took me, you know, arguably 25 years. But if I had said 25 years ago, God, I'm not a, you know, I was working for Steve Jobs. If I had said, my God, I'm not like Steve. I can't speak and never spoke, I would not be where I am today. So you got to, like, man up. Well, okay, then I'm 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 gonna have to uh, I'm gonna come at, come at you a little bit here on that guy, and let me let okay. me just change what I, let me just correct what I was saying and, and re okay. this. What I am is I'm an incredible hangout and air host. I know that, okay, a little okay. bit arrogant, but I am. I'm good at what I do. <laughs> okay. And uh, what I am is a fantastic backend developer. I love it. I love playing with code. I I'm not I don't enjoy pixels. It's not something I like. So okay. I, I appreciate what you're saying, but for me and for my business and for the amount of time that I have in my day, I now now. I, I see what you're doing like with photography. I heard in another interview you said, you know, yeah, I'm trying photography. I love doing it. It's a great hobby. It's something you're passionate about. You know, I'm not passionate about design per se. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I am passionate about code. I am passionate about servers and IT and, and some of those things get me, you know, really jacked up. And talking with uh, Damian Farnworth a lot lately, he's got me really excited about writing, which is something that I never really thought I was good at. But that is okay. something that I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And right now there's a uh, Hemingway Challenge going on right now on Google Plus, try to write a story in 50 words or less that's about something that's changed your life. And so I've been trying to tackle that, and that's been a lot of fun. So uh, I, I, that, that's my position on that. It's, um, okay. Is that fair? That's fair. All right. <laughs> you know, I think we who are, uh, who are visible, we have a moral obligation to encourage people to express themselves and try new things is my point. Um, yeah. Not to get into some kind of mindset where I can only do this. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's fair. Um, <laughs> not I, that I'm ever going to be an IT professional. <laughs> you're not. You're not a back. No. You're not, not going to go out and become a back end developer. And, no, no, that's not the kind of back ends I'm into. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's see. I th you know, I, I think it, we've got just this. This thing is lighting up. We've got just tons of questions going on here. But uh, you know, now I don't know how, how, how much longer we want to go with this, you guys. So let's let's uh, let me throw a couple lightning round questions at you, and let's kind of head on out. The okay. Way. Okay. Uh, guy, you you've done everything. You're an evangelist, an author. You're a venture capitalist. You're an all-around entrepreneur. You're an author. Um, what's your biggest strength? What is what is it that you really bring to a company? Oh. <laughs> uh, I bring Peg Fitzpatrick and eight million followers. <laughs> that 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 that's something. Yeah, that is something. Yeah. Nobody else can say that. <laughs> that's literally true. Nobody else can say that. I, if Peg weren't here, I would still say this. I think she is the best social media person in the freaking world, and <laughs> I would I would put her up against entire agencies that I've dealt with. So. That's my answer. Now, if you want a more personal answer, I think my greatest strength is that I am willing to grind it out, that I can outwork most people. That's my secret. Yeah, well, you'd have to, writing as much as you do, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you're just really just about everywhere. What's, uh, what's the one accomplishment that you want to be remembered for? Um, raising four good kids. Yeah. Yeah, and your your oldest is uh, just now headed off to what UCLA was it or? Well, that's my that's my UCLA shirt. Yeah, um, there no, it is. No, my oldest my oldest is at Cal, 
Um, my second oldest is at is going to go to UCLA. Uh, I went to UCLA for a graduate degree, and I went to Stanford for an undergraduate degree. So basically, we're trying to cover the Pac-12. There you go. <laughs> well, I tell you what, guys, we have I've, I've just had such a blast, and we've we've gone a lot over. Usually, I keep this to a fire hose session. I keep it to thirty minutes, but you know what? Hey, it's Guy Kawasaki. It's Peg Fitzpatrick, and uh, <laughs> You know, I'm not going to hold it to that. So I'm sure there's nobody here complaining. And uh, you know, like you said before, uh, you know what? You're not going to invite me back. You know, because we went over. I thought that was just brilliant. <laughs> you had me cracking up with that one. Man. So, uh, all right, yeah. This is a. Uh, tell us where, where where do you want us to head on over to? I think we know, but uh, give us some other pointers. Where do you want us to find you? Canva.com. I mean, uh, my email address is guy at Canva. It's hard to remember. And uh, on Google Plus, I'm Guy Kawasaki, and have at it, man. I'm I'm here for you. So right on, Peg. Uh, if you could vote for a Webby while you're on the internet today, I would really appreciate it because voting ends today. Um, and I'm I'm you know I'm all around the web. You can tweet me. You can find me on Google Plus, Pinterest, wherever your favorite social network is. I'm there. Yeah, just type into Google search the most amazing chick. And you should probably, uh, probably pop up somewhere. Yeah, there, you know. it'll be like a little note from my husband, hopefully. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, I'm so glad, Peg. That you, I'm really glad that you were able to make it here today. So, uh, yeah, make sure you guys heard that call to action. Um, Webby Awards, they're wrapping up tomorrow, and we want to, you know, show what Gontrack Tips uh, fans and uh, what this audience can do. And uh, so go over there and let's push them over the edge. Let's help them uh, win that. Though I think they're, you know, they've got a pretty good lead right now. But uh, let's make sure. So if you haven't headed over there yet, head on over to those Webby Awards. There's a link in the description, uh, and cast your vote for whichever one is your favorite. So this is uh, Jason Weiser with Get on Track, Stay on Track, helping your small business one expert or two experts at a time. And this week we were talking with Guy Kawasaki and Peg Fitzpatrick uh, from Canva.com. We are so thankful to have you guys. And uh, we'll see you all next time around. Bye for now. Bye.